if we were starting from scratch with a new build or a big retrofit, um, what we would really want uh, in order to have better control over our indoor air quality is a an airtight enclosure. It's too bad that the East Coasters are now experiencing this, but I think it, it's kind of going to be, at least in, in North America, it seems like it's going to be an air universal problem here and there. Welcome to the Passive House podcast, brought to you by Passive House Accelerator, a catalyst for zero carbon building. For news, inspiration and connections from all flavors of Passive House, check out PassiveHouseAccelerator.com. Sign up to receive regular updates about events, get your questions answered and contribute to the community dialogue. There's loads of free information for experienced professionals and people just starting out on their Passive House journey. We hope to see you at one of our weekly Passive House Accelerator Live webinars. You can also check out our Reimagined Buildings YouTube channel for some great inspiration for both building new or renovating. In the meantime, here's this week's Passive House podcast. G'day and welcome back to the Passive House podcast. I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh, coming to you from a very chilly topor in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand. I'm Zach Semke. I'm coming to you from a beautiful, sunny Seattle, Washington. Nice. It's it's holiday time. You've just been back, uh, got back from holiday, Zach. Yeah, that's right. So we had the uh, July 4th holiday happen this past week. And so my family and I went up to Vancouver Island. We crossed the, the border into Canada and, and took a two-hour ferry ride, beautiful ferry ride across the Salish Sea to the eastern uh, coast of Vancouver Island and uh, a short drive north to a bay called Nanus Bay, which was just absolutely beautiful. And I could not have been nicer. I was just feeling very uh, thankful for Mother Earth when we were up there. Where are you? I mean, what's what's your story? It's the, it's the middle of the year. So mid-year break, uh, school holidays at the moment, and uh, we've got a bit of a family reunion going on. Uh, so we have traveled to Topor, which is um, a beautiful part of the world. Um, it's a crater lake uh, very close to some mountains that will be familiar to anyone who's watched Lord of the Rings. Uh, so from the top of the lake uh, in the town of Topor, you can kind of see across to uh, Whakapapa and, and uh, the mountain range where Narahui uh, is, which is uh, the, the Mount Doom. It's, uh, it's a very <laughs> cone-shaped uh, mountain um, because it is a volcanic cone and uh, it's got some snow on it at the moment, which is uh, pretty lovely on a, on a nice day. So uh, it is about one degree this morning, um, just as I've, wow. I've woken up. So it's, uh, it's a bit of ice on the ground and um, – Staying in a, a very nice uh, sort of thermal resort here, but a very much non-passive house buildings. So <laughs> right. the heaters were cranked up. Uh, the heaters were definitely cranked up last night um, to keep us toasty and warm. Um, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful part of the world and, and nice to be um, on holiday. And uh, and very far from things like wildfires, which um, we're going to be talking a little bit about today. Um, but still, still pertinent to uh, indoor air quality. So um, we're going to get into that soon. Uh, it's a kind of a, a short episode, but uh, an interesting one nonetheless. Um, but uh, let's um, give a quick shout out to our supporters. Yeah, absolutely. So a big thank you to our founding sponsors, 475 High Performance Building Supply, Baxt Ingui Architects, Glavel, Minitaire, Mitsubishi Electric Train HVAC US, Partel, 
Rockwell North America, Stocorp, and Zola Windows. Thanks too to our champion sponsors, Buizo, Gradient, Icon Windows and Doors, Intelligent Membranes, PH Airseal, Prosico, and Source 2050. And a big shout out to our stakeholder partner, NYSERDA, the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority. Awesome. Uh, thank you. Now, tell us a little bit about your your guest that you interviewed. Well, John Semmelhack ha- is a fount of, of technical knowledge around passive house uh, delivery and building science. He has a couple of ventures going, including one called Comfort Squad. He has served on the FIAS Technical Committee for many years, and he's a go-to source for information around how to deal with um, indoor air quality during wildfire uh, smoke events. We did a Last House on the Front Lines Wildfire and Indoor Air Quality Summit a couple of years ago where we where we talked about Passive House and Wildfire Smoke. He was a key player in, in that. When the smoke was hitting New York and, and the eastern seaboard, I was thinking about John, um, who is based in Virginia and was also experiencing that smoke, and reached out to him so we could do um, a little conversation about how to kind of triage um, for wildfire smoke and then um, how to um, do more structural solutions. So we dive into to all of that in this conversation. Well, John, as I've been reading the headlines around the wildfire smoke events that are impacting the East Coast, I've been thinking about you because uh, you're the, sort of the go-to guy in our community around um, indoor air quality and um, and you also have helped us with uh, moderating and, and informing some conversations around wildfire smoke and indoor air quality. So it's great to have this conversation with you. Thank you for taking some time. Oh, thanks, Zach. I'm happy to happy to chat about it. Uh, it's uh, it's too bad that the uh, East Coasters are now experiencing this, but I think it, it's kind of going to be at least in, in North America. It seems like it's going to be a near universal problem here and there. Yeah, right. So how do we become resilient um, to it? Yeah. And you've done, uh, uh, among others, there's this community that's grown up around uh, kind of trying to answer that question, both in um, sort of short-term immediate ways, the triage approach, and then also the longer-term structural ways that we can make our buildings more resilient to these events. So I was hoping that we could touch on both and we could start with yeah, the short-term, immediate way to improve indoor air quality during these severe outdoor air pollution events, and and to touch on the Corsi Rosenthal Comparetto Cube Box, if you wouldn't <laughs> mind. <laughs> what is that? The the most popular name is the Corsi Rosenthal Box. The, there were uh, uh, in the early days, some people were calling it uh, for fun the Comparetto Cube, which was named after my business partner Neil Comparetto. Um, we were among um, the folks who were really involved early on in testing out this idea for this do-it-yourself uh, DIY uh, fan filter box. Um, so different names caught on, but I think the the, the Corsi Rosenthal box is what most people know it by. Um, and yeah, so it's, uh, it is a, uh, a box fan. So this is like a 20-inch by 20-inch utility fan that is pretty ubiquitous in North America, at least. Many households have one or more of these fans already in their household, or you can go to your local hardware store and pick one up for $25 or $30. So it's a box fan uh, that sits on top of four filters. So four high-performance filters, uh, typically MERV 13 filters is what we're using. 
and you tape the filters together and then you tape them to the fan. And so the air flows through the filter and then out the fan. Um, so what that gives you um, is uh, a whole bunch of airflow because the box fans are relatively powerful, moving through pretty high performance filters. Uh, and you get uh, really great reductions in fine particles. Right. And those fine particles, as we know, are in with wildfire smoke are extremely hazardous to our health. Right. Um, so, so, and this is an exciting like um, way that you can take action right away during these. I mean, it's these are pretty scary events, and we see these yep. orange skies and things, and realize that our houses are becoming um, not safe to be in. Um, you, you know, even even though they're a little bit better than being outside. So this is an action you can take right away, um, which is uh, which is awesome. And they're also not that expensive, um, assuming you can source assuming you can source the the stuff. Yeah, and I and fortunately, at least right now on the East Coast, we've had a mild uh, late spring so far. So um, folks who don't have air conditioners have not had a big reason to go out to buy fans for cooling. So um, I just went out and bought a fan at our local big box store. They had 150 fans in stock at the moment. So they had a good selection and they had uh, they had lots of filters. So of course, you need the filters, you need the fans. And then you've got some some uh, some cloth tapes, and so those are those are the the three components. And then the cardboard you can you can cut up the cardboard from the box that the fan comes in, and use that uh, for your base or to build a little shroud over the fan to uh, improve airflow. They'll will you'll be folks will be able to see that in some of the, the videos or, or pictorial uh, tutorials that we can uh, include that show kind of how to how to put one of these together. It takes right. about yeah you know, twenty minutes, and if your if your DIY skills uh, are up to the scissors and duct tape level, which I think is just about <laughs> everybody, if you're up to that level, you can build one of these in about 20, 20, 30 minutes. Yep. So these, so I can you can imagine you you close up your house so that there's no more um, smoke coming into the windows, for example, yep. On, yep. and. And and you're running this thing full blast is you know twenty four seven to scrub the air essentially. Yep. Um, so what it doesn't address is bringing in fresh like air. Like basically, when you're filter- filtering your air inside, you're still getting a buildup of CO two as as the occupants inside are are exhaling CO two. Right. So so um, if you open the windows, um, it means there's more smoke that needs to be filtered out by this device yep exactly. so there are some some limitations to this triage approach yeah so this you know this fan is filtering fine particles uh, uh it also is going to filter you know as a little side note this whole kind of diy project got started because of covid so it filters out viruses as well because viruses are mostly attached to fine particles um, but it's not going to um, it's not going to uh, get rid of CO2. It's not going to get rid of uh, VOCs either. So you're still going to get, you know, odors from outside, other, you know, chemicals from outside or from inside if you're generating them uh, from cooking, for instance, or you have other indoor sources of, of pollution. Um, you know, this this you know, filter fan 
isn't going to capture those unless those things are you know, attached to to particles. Right, right. Yeah. So let's then pivot to the longer term kind of structural solution um, in, in our buildings. What could you describe the key elements to that kind of building um, integrated approach to indoor air quality? Yeah, if we yeah, so I think if we were starting from scratch with a new build or a big retrofit, um, what we would really want uh, in order to have better control over our indoor air quality is a an airtight enclosure and then a ventilation system. Uh, but on the ventilation system, of course, you would want very high performance filtration or at least the ability to swap in very high performance filtration, which I know some folks have done in, uh, on the West Coast uh, during these kinds of events. Um, so super airtight, passive house levels of, air, levels of air tightness, or you know, even better, as many of the practitioners have discovered that they can achieve. Uh, and then uh, balanced ventilation uh, with, uh, from an energy standpoint, you can still do energy recovery, heat recovery with you know, your ERV or HRV. But on that outdoor air intake duct, um, you need very high performance filtration. And the, the kind of modeling and the real world practitioners experience so far, uh, especially practitioners who've been through multiple wildfire seasons on the West Coast, other practitioners in Australia as well, um, they've really found that you need MERV 16 to HEPA levels of filtration on that outdoor air duct, if unless you want to do additional filtration indoors. So if you want your ERV, your outdoor air filter to do everything for you um, uh, in that airtight structure, you need that you know top of the line filter available. And that's from... Um, for most ERV and HRV systems, that really requires a dedicated pre-filter box. Um, most of the manufacturers do. I don't think any of them have uh, that level of filtration available. Uh, might be mistaken, but I think um, it re- you really need something that's going to um, uh, take care of that before it hits the ERV. Right. So it's not kind of standard issue for an HRV or ERV right. to have that level right. of filtration. And also I, there's um, for VOCs and, and the, the odors from wildfire smoke, carbon filters are, are helpful yeah, so as you, well, right? So you can, yeah, you can. Um, uh, VOCs and odors, uh, carbon, or some people call it charcoal filtration is the, is, you know, as far as I understand, the best way to do that. And you need a, a decent of that um, of that material um, in order to uh, you know capture a significant amount of those uh, chemicals it's not you know just a little coating on a filter is going to have a short-term impact if you want long-term um, VOC removal long-term odor removal from that outdoor air you need like pellets of, of charcoal pellets of carbon um, that the, that the air is flowing to uh, to remove those chemicals. Right, right. So okay. for passive house owners or occupants, um, they who are maybe dealing with this kind of wildfire smoke event for the first time, um, 
they are probably noticing that um, their indoor air quality levels are not great. They're probably significantly better, uh, perhaps significantly better than a typical house. There's certainly a good foundation because they've got the airtight system. They have the, a, a filtration system that allow or a, a ventilation system that allows them to filter. But really, they need to take this extra step um, in order to deal with the wildfire smoke of having MERV-16 or HEPA level and potentially carbon. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, many of the owners are going to have ERVs and HRVs with, you know, MERV-8, maybe MERV-11, maybe MERV-13 filters as standard issue from the factory. Um, and those are experiences that, yeah, those just aren't good enough to hit the indoor quality levels that we'd really like to see for for healthy living. Um, right. And, yeah, so they're definitely going to need to uh, to bump those up and likely that's going to have to be with a, a separate add-on uh add-on filter box that'll have to be retrofitted so that's something in my own house my erv has merv 8 filters which are fine they do well you know day to day in central virginia most of the time uh we had a we had a wildfire in the shenandoah national forest in 2016 so um it wasn't nearly it was actually much closer to us but not nearly as bad from an, from an outdoor pollution standpoint as these, uh, the impact of these fires from Canada. Um, but now, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that in the long run, I'm going to need to retrofit a, uh, a pre-filter box. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a great segue because um, you have, you've so yesterday, it was yesterday or today that you kind of made a combination of the, you have the structure, the the foundation of the structural long term approach because you've got good air tightness, you've got yes, a filtration yes. system, a ventilation system, um, um, but you just added the triage piece because you right. don't yet have that extra That's filtration, exactly right? right? Yep. Yeah. And so yeah. Can you so, yeah. Yeah, walk us through the numbers of what what was what's been going on outside in terms of the PM two point five and what's been happening inside your right. house over so the last outside, couple of days? So uh, at yeah, at my house on my porch, I measured with a with a home sensor. I measured 100 around 170 micrograms per cubic meter, and at the same time, indoors was 60. Um, and we really want you know for for really good indoor air quality one, we want that to be under five. <laughs> the um, the WHO guideline is 10 or less. Um, but really, there's the you know, the lower, the better. There is no such thing as getting too low on um, fine particles. Right. Um, so, yeah, the lower, the better. So I'm at, I was at 60 earlier. Um, and uh, so I actually went out this afternoon. I So I already had a HEPA air cleaner um, that I had purchased very early on uh, during COVID. And so I'd never built one of these Corsi Rosenthal boxes for my own household um, until today. So I actually, I went yeah. out and, and uh, picked up a fan and we already had filters at the shop and, uh, and built the box in about 20 minutes and turned it on. And we had actually, and I turned off the HEPA air cleaner just because I wanted to see the difference if there was one. And the... DIY box actually does a much better job of removing particles, uh, which is, it's a little bit non, non-intuitive because we're using lower performance filters, but we're moving like five or more times the air. So the 
the net performance is all about the airflow, how much airflow, how good is the filter, and then to a lesser extent, are you getting any kind of filter bypass or thing? Are you getting good distribution of the air within the space? I have two of those uh, same model, I think, HEPA filters that you that you have. And um, so after the story, I'm I am now inspired to build myself a cube. I have the yeah, DIY yeah. skills the necessary, so I'm yeah. I'm excited yep. about that. Yeah, and there's there's some you know some folks you know obviously you know, seventy five dollars is a great price point. Some folks are willing for aesthetics to you know do some additional you know modifications, you know some additional uh, enclosures, you know especially folks who have laser cutters and things like that. Can, mm, fancy, you know you can make some some fancy uh, enclosures for your DIY fan filter box. And make right. them look, uh, you know, as good or maybe better than some of the, the HEPA cleaners. That's so. Um, you can't get around them being big, so they are going to be big, and that's really important. Is that you have a big surface area of total filter media, so just you know a lot of surface area for the air to flow through. So it's low resistance, so it's easy for the air to flow through the filter, and then you have a a powerful fan to move the air through the filter. Those are the two key things. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll remember that as I'm building. Thank you. Well, John, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And I, I know that folks will be uh, really happy to get some guidance on how to deal with uh, this wildfire smoke. And um, we'll be probably referring to this video more times than we'd like in the future as we are dealing with these events more and more. Right. Yeah. And there's, um, uh, especially on the West Coast, the, the passive house practitioners and the passive house owners who have been through this, they, they have a lot of experience with, at this point, with kind of what's working. Uh, they probably have some good experience with these kinds of retrofits as well. So it'd be really, it'd be good to do it, you know, to do a follow up with some of them to see, okay, uh, we talked about, you know, some of the triage stuff that you were doing a few years ago. What have you done structurally, you know, since then? What's working? Um, and maybe we'll even see some kind of prepackaged products that are kind of, you know, ready to go and really geared towards the typical airflow rates that we see for ventilation systems for passive houses, you know, and that 75 cubic meters to 150 cubic meters, uh, you know, some some sweet spot, you know, pre-filter designs that are. Right. Ready to go and, and fit into the folks' uh, mechanical rooms and basements and crawl spaces. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, thanks again, John. Thank you, Zach. And that was John Semelhek uh, giving us some great tips on, as you put it, the sort of triage approach to really dealing with the worst of the worst when it comes to indoor air quality. Um, you know, obviously, this is not a, it's not a, um, an end solution for. Uh, for the best approach, but it is certainly a, a good approach to dealing with that pretty horif- horrendous conditions that y- you guys experienced earlier this year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this was this, of course, uh, was brought home to me again when we went up to Canada for uh, the July Fourth weekend. Now, you know, the bargain that we make with the weather in the Pacific Northwest, you know, we have we're famously gray and 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 wet here. The bargain that we have with the weather has always been, well, the summers are the, are the most beautiful. It's the most beautiful place in the world. You know, it's just it's just mm. incredible in the summers. Uh, but now that's being marred by these 
these um, horrible wildfire events, um, wildfire smoke events. And um, so we were a little bit, my family and I were a little bit apprehensive about booking this trip, honestly, because we thought, well, we might, it, it could be socked in with smoke. We just don't know, right? Um, and we we lucked out and the wind has been blowing the other direction. And so the, the people in the Midwest and the East Coast have been less fortunate recently. But I was definitely thinking about that as we were floating in our kayaks, looking at these this beautiful Nanus Bay in Vancouver. Um, and uh, just another note is that according to the Washington Post, um, Monday and Tuesday were the two hottest days in at least the last 125,000 years <laughs> on the That's planet. That's quite a while. That's the average. The average temperature of the, of the planet was the highest, right, um, for at least 125,000 years and probably much longer. Um, so uh, we need to figure out how to address um, and become more resilient to um, these these wildfires and and other climate um, impacts that we're going to be feeling more and more. So it, it's it's uh, sure feels unfortunately feels timely. Yeah, that's that's pretty alarming uh, to to have that statistic. And yeah, it's only it's only one data point, but combined with all the other data points that we've um, been witnessing and uh, experiencing, it it tells a pretty pretty stark story i think um the so i'm i'm kind of fortunate to have a whole house heat recovery ventilation system which is probably a little bit overkill in my situation because um i I was doing some doing any i I happened to have a, a a system that was was made available so i installed it my house is probably not airtight enough to justify the quality of the ventilation system that I that I have, I probably don't get the full benefit from it. But as a consequence, I do have two filters on that system because it's a heat recovery ventilation, which means there's a filter on the air that comes into the house, and there's also a filter for the air that's getting um, uh, brought back um, that that's about to be expelled before that air passes through the heat exchanger. So I get to see. Um, the quality of the air coming into my home and also what the filter picks up from the air inside the home. And I, I am always surprised at just how much dirt and, and mm-hmm. <laughs> black stuff there is on that second filter, which is the, the air being filtered from inside my home. Because you, you kind of right. think that if you're filtering the air coming in that mm-hmm. you know, everything's going to be clean. But yeah. it's amazing just how, how much it picks up um, from inside the house, but of course the the one on the outside, uh, it, it, I'm always that's just amazing how. And I've taken photos of that in the past, just how black and and horrible that is. And I live um, on a we're on a back section, so we're away from any main road. We're not in any sort of flight path. We're we're not in, in near any factories or anything. That's just kind of in a fairly leafy green suburb in a in a major city. Uh, it still gets quite black. So, in the situation where you've got wildfires, it, I just can't can't imagine how much particulate matter there must be that accumulates on those filters. And if you're not in a in a airtight house, then it's just going to come in through all the cracks and wherever air is getting into the home. So, um, it's great to have solutions like this that I think are, are unfortunately going to be needed. Um, but they also 
potentially help increase the awareness of indoor air quality and the benefits of more airtight construction. I think so. I think so. I think that's true. And you know, the the we have all of us have become much more um, uh, attuned to the air quality uh, um, maps and the the colors, um, and the fact that the the very worst colors are purple and maroon. Um, that's because when these, I was just listening to a radio story on National Public Radio uh, um, a couple weeks ago. The when those were those maps were developed, I believe in the nineties, um, red was meant to be the worst case, like bad air quality that we yeah. would experience, and it was kind of assumed that that would kind of probably never happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, because of the the you know the unforeseen, um, at least by many of us, unforeseen impacts impact of the of this warming and and um, the different. There, I mean, I know there's forest management stuff too, but anyway, these these wildfires, <laughs> the wildfires that are happening, um, we're getting into the purple zone, and it's just ridiculously toxic, horrible air. <laughs> so yeah. even yeah. I think that one of the 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 key takeaways here is that is I guess there are three kind of stages that we can go through to deal. Is is my understanding of the takeaway from John Semelhack? One is you can do do the triage during these wildfire smokes if you if you have a um, non passive house like my house, unfortunately still, um, and do the Corsi Rosenthal box and do, just do a lot all this volume of air going through thir- MERV thirteen filters, which will help clean clean the air. So that's the first one second one is if you have a passive house and you don't yet have a filter box that has been um, added to the erv or hrv um, uh, system so that you can do the merv 16 and carbon filtration necessary to really not really deal with that horrible wildfire smoke and the and the 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 particulates there then you can also do the rosenthal the corsi rosenthal box um, and have quite good indoor air quality, way better than my, I'm ever going to get in my house during these events. But finally, where where passive house um, owners need to move and building building owners need to move to um, to to sufficiently deal with this indoor with with wildfire smoke and keep these indoor spaces truly safe for people to breathe the air is to do that extra filtration. So the passive yeah. house provides this awesome, really important foundation um, with the air tightness and the filtration system and the controlled the controlled ventilation. It just needs a little bit more to deal with this unprecedented level of uh, outdoor air pollution. Yeah, the, the beyond red. <laughs> yeah, it's really quite nuts. But you know, I guess the other thing too, though, is is that with this kind of building science approach to mitigating and kind of protecting ourselves from from that crappy air the actions necessary to make us more resilient to this impact of climate change also makes our buildings smaller contributors to this warming that's a good thing <laughs> you know we're, right, we're right. you know if, if there's this this uh harmony between becoming more resilient and also helping to create buildings that become more and more a part of the solution Right, because if our buildings are, are healthier and requiring less energy to to run at a healthy uh, state, then we're you know consuming less, polluting less as well, and contributing less to the to the overall problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, which also reminds me, there's a there's a lot of uh, talk in this part of the world uh, in in my 
my day job and, and work that I'm involved in about electrification uh, at the moment, which I know is, is, is happening uh, in a big way in in your part of the world, the states, yeah. and and also across Europe. Um, and that you know that's a big part of this as well as is how do we get rid of um, gas? I mean, in, in parts of uh, New Zealand, we there are still quite a lot of the solid fuel heaters as well, like log burners, pellet fires, and things like that, which um, you know they have their own air quality issues uh, with with particulates going into the air if if they're not these sort of ultra low emission uh, type fires. So um, it, it's a it's a summer wildfire issue, but uh, I know that air quality is also can be a really big issue in, in wintertime in places like uh, Christchurch here, Dunedin, uh, where there's still quite a lot of um, people burning wood or, you know, some sort of solid fuel. Uh, and you get these calm, cold mornings where it's pretty toxic outside. Um, yeah, right. And, and you know, sort of get that same sort of air quality issue in the middle of winter as well. So... Um, good, good little trick. Um, I, I enjoyed that. Something a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, very informative, something practical that people can do. And, and also, as I said, I think really does raise the awareness of the importance of good ventilation and good indoor air quality. So, um, thanks to John and, and thank you, Zach, for, uh, for bringing this, that interview. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, we'll have a bunch of links that John also shared with, uh, including instructions to make a Corsi Rosenthal box and some other other cool stuff. I, I also want to mention that a video version of the interview segment um, will it will we're about to publish on the Reimagine Buildings channel. So uh, go to YouTube and and look for Reimagine Buildings, and you can can uh, can see uh, John Semelhack and I. Um, talk about stuff and and uh and also see some images i think of the of the cube right awesome all right um we got some events coming up we do indeed so at the passive house accelerator this coming week wednesday july 12th here in um uh, the western hemisphere uh so that's um july 13th for you down under we um have a presentation by Paul Shepsky of Geography Construction entitled High Energy Performance with Low Carbon Building Materials. So that's a next gen episode of the show. So we're, we're um, Paul is a, um, it represents the next generation of, of leadership um, in the space. So we're looking forward to having him on the program. And then the next week, so July 19th for me and July 20th for you, Matthew, we are joined by Mark Ginsburg of Curtis and Ginsburg based in New York City and he is going to be presenting Buildings of Excellence working for a low carbon future. So Curtis and Ginsburg has um, won all sorts of uh, Buildings of Excellence awards and and, and is doing a bunch of, uh, of those projects in New York. So he's going to be drawing from those in this presentation um, of a project showcase edition of Passive House Accelerator Live. And then there's lots of other great stuff going on in the community that we share in our um, newsletter and Passfoss Weekly. So we'll include a link to that in show notes as well. Great. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that, Zach. I'm going to go and see if it's warmed up at all outside. I'm pretty sure it hasn't. Um, And uh, enjoy the rest of the holidays here. Uh, But we'll be back again next week on Passfoss Podcast. Mm -hmm.